What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Curtis. Tony Feed, this is episode 40. Ayo. We're this here. We're doing this episode. And not only are we like here and doing this, I actually wanted to take a moment. Dude, we've been doing this for over a year. Wow, right? We've been we've been <laughs> analyzing Boy Meets World for over a year, guys. Yes, actually, I don't regret so the, a second. No, I mean, but I was looking it over, and I was like, wow, it's been like a full year of us doing this, uh, and we're on episode forty. Well, that's crazy. It's funny too because we like fooled around with podcasts. We this is probably like the fourth podcast we eventually landed on. <laughs> yeah, but like we were practicing podcast stuff for months before even Brahmi Twirl got started. So it's just interesting to see that, like, yeah, we've been doing this a long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, that's not even um, to consider the other failed pilots that we did. Yeah. Which I think eventually we should probably come back to, because every now and then I was like, oh, man, I really wish we could talk about this. Sure. Well, I think we, it's it's nice. We've learned a lot. Obviously, audio is still a question. (laughs) We've learned a lot about just podcast structure and just how to uh, make segments and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's just all a great learning experience. Just like Boy Meets World, y'all. Absolute. Okay. So, um, how you been? Let's just check in for a second. I, um, and I'll, I'll bring this up a little bit later during my, uh, homework, but, um, I saw Halloween, the new one recently. Don't say anything. I'm watching it tonight. I'm literally watching it tonight at 8 p.m. I don't want to say anything that- Shut up. I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I want nothing. I don't want, I don't want the slightest hint of how you feel about it. (laughs) Move on. Can I, can I give you just a recap of the plot? No! If only if the plot is if the recap it's so of vague. the plot. It's so vague, but it's just a point that I want to make about something outside of Halloween. Okay, which is, keep going, keep going. And I'll tread lightly. I'll tread lightly because I respect <laughs> not wanting to have an opinion. But the movie is about a woman who uh-huh. was attacked 40 years ago uh-huh. who has stayed silent and has now ha- finding the courage to to fight back. Confront her attacker. Yes. Who just happens to be an old white man. Correct. So that aspect of it is uh-huh. so, like, like, and that's kind of what I love about horror movies in general is that I feel that horror more than any other genre is a real um, mirror to what society is going through at any particular time. Like when you think about like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the original Halloween, like these movies sprouted up right after like Charles Manson and like all of these crazy cult stuff that was happening in the sixties. And, you know, we kind of see that happening over and over again with horror, um, you know, Saul and Hostel um, coming up during the Iraq war and after nine 11, like it's all kind of mirrored stuff. And we see that happening now with purge and a few other things, but this is so of the moment. And I think that's just kind of the biggest, like, wow, like this, this couldn't have been more, uh, released at a better time, and it just happens to be the 40th anniversary of the movie. So, just very cool stuff. 
Wow, that's fantastic. Oh, what? 40th anniversary on the 40th episode? Are we are we doing this? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> the other is, uh, I just no, walked right it's, into that. <laughs> yeah, right? It's funny that you say that because um, I think I've mentioned this before, but I heard the study that said the exact same thing as you were talking about, which is that certain themes in horror show up uh, under certain waves uh in american pop culture for example zombies are always really popular during like a republican um a republican uh head because of the fact that you know from the left side everyone's just like zombies and they're just like following with the crowd and they're not really thinking of their own and then whenever there's a liberal in charge vampires get really big because of the fact that um everyone all the kids are seen as lustful and just given into their whims and no one's really uh thinking about long term so like those ways and it's really that's kind an of interesting can, theory yeah you can literally mirror it but the exact same thing is uh witches witches um become a really big deal whenever there's like a feminist movement and right now we have the whole well, yeah, we... movement and all this other stuff and sabrina the teenage witch is coming back charmed is back so yeah it's it's you're right that it all mirrors yeah, and um, when the women's movement happened in the seventies, we had like Suspiria. Have you ever seen that movie? I've never seen it's a, that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's about witches in the ballet, and it is. I think they're doing a the remake of, and it's just a wild, crazy old movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, just horror movies. Just, I'm loving it. It's Halloween. I'm digging it. I'm digging this. You could literally here. tell me they would be doing a remake of any movie in the world, and I'd I believe you. I wouldn't probably agree, but I'd believe you. <laughs> and it's just, and you know what's sad is that I feel like there's so many great original horror movies that have come out in the last like few years with like Babadook and It Follows and um, just a few of these other indie movies that I was just like, man, it sucks that we have to keep doing these reboots and uh, reimaginings well, or whatever. I don't think it's that bad because I think people forget we've always done reboots. I mean, like how many times has Frankenstein or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde been reboot it sometimes they've just interpreted differently same thing goes for shakespeare like that's been remade yeah i guess that's just the the nature of legend that it just constantly evolves and gets reinterpreted and but the stories still get passed on wow wow exactly um so that's really funny okay uh do you know what's great about this conversation (laughs) what what's great about this conversation is it's just two guys on the air talking about (laughs) their lives and uh, that segues us into this episode, uh, which we don't have was... to do lunchtime lust to get people's attention. You know, <laughs> we don't have to do it. Maybe if we did lunchtime lust, uh, though, we would get more attention. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe, perhaps. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So this episode, uh, what do you think about it? And do you want to get into the I think that this episode is just just my just saying a really broad statement of it. I think it's hilarious. I've always thought this episode was so funny. I don't think there's a lot of meat on the bones as far as like what our podcast typically does as far as yeah. analyzing how it ages compared to the time period in which it was released, but um from a perspective of just a fan of the show and a fan of the actors of the show, they just give such hilarious performances. Um and it's just, it's just funny all around. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's let's get into it. Let's get into the tell me about it. 
Tell me about it. <laughs> this is season two, episode 17 on the air. Um, when Feeney restarts the school radio show, Corey and Sean complain to Turner, who encourages them to be the change they want to hear on the radio. The boys begin their own show adhering to Feeney's guidelines, but find an audience by hooking girls up with guys who call in. Feeney, of course, shuts down the show, but the boys won't be tamed. They hijack the radio show and are back on the air until they are caught by Feeney and Turner. When asked why the boys betrayed Turner's trust in order to make their own show, Corey explains that they were that having the show made them feel less lost. Unknowingly, Turner has broadcast their confession to the entire school, and the boys learn that just talking the truth is what helps them relate to others. In a B storyline, Eric tries to get rich quick. You know what's funny is that I think this is the first real episode where I was like, wow, they're making Eric dumber. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. This, like, it, this is the first episode where you see, you're like, oh, okay, so this is where they've decided that Eric... Amy literally calls Eric special. <laughs> yeah, he, he, she makes a Forrest Gump joke about it. Go ahead and scuff if you will. I got a good feeling about this one. See, there's a little voice inside my head. You know what it's saying? Life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> huh? Sweetheart, you just go wait by that front door for Robin Leach. Um, and, <laughs> it, it's so when she said that, I was like, wow. And, and to be fair, his mama did say it. It was his mama. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and it's so interesting because it, it's like, I don't know that we've ever, up until this episode, have seen... It, it's I, I'm trying to word this properly. Eric is dumb, and it seems like everyone on the show knows that he's dumb, yet we as an audience haven't seen it anything that would make us go he's he's Forrest Gump you know what I mean like I think that's yeah. what was strange I think for me what the the what's funny is at this point in time it's just played off that Eric or at, in the beginning it was always played off that Eric was just boy or girl crazy so it's like yeah he was like he is dumb but it's like that's because he's preoccupied with girls. This is the first yeah. time we get like a really big step back and they're like, no, Eric's just not that bright <laughs> in general. Yeah, he's not bright and everyone seems to understand that he's not bright. But again, it's a very, it's sitcom dumb. It's yeah. Joey Tribbiani dumb. He's not like so dumb that he can't function, but he's just dumb enough to not get the joke or to understand Joey why Joey Tribbiani dumb. I love it so much. That's it, so it is. accurate. That is, I said that's the exact thing. <laughs> sitcom dumb is like it's dumb enough to, for a joke to happen, but you're not concerned for, like, why is this person allowed to drive a car? Like, it's not that. Yeah, like, here's the thing, because usually we allow them to have, to be sexual, and you're right, if they were too dumb, we were like, well, this is just taking advantage of a person. You can't let them have sex. But uh, if they're, like, just I hate, dumb enough I hate to, to, like... reference Tropic Thunder, but you can't go full. <laughs> you can't go full. See, my whole, yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then also, I hate that movie so much, but continue. <laughs> I hate, I also hate that movie. I don't know why I, I, I don't understand why everyone. I, I really hate it. 
I hate that movie, and I hate the fact that everyone uses that movie as, like, an excuse. And they're like, well, what about Robert Downey Jr.? I was like, that is a terrible thing. I don't know why he gets a pass. I don't find it that funny, but that's just me. So, whatever. <laughs> you know what's... It's so funny that you talk about him getting a pass for that, because I actually had the same question about the boys at, this end, at the end of this episode. Because, to me, they get off with bare minimum sentencing. Oh, that- absolutely. <laughs> For something that I feel like, if if they got suspended or even expelled for what they did, I'd been like, all right, I guess I get it. I understand. <laughs> Truthfully, like... It's, no, 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 I, like, I'm not disagreeing with you, but yeah, that makes sense. And so there was kind of a big question for me at the end of this episode was, you know, how much of this is white privilege that they're able to have these mistakes over and over <sighs> again, directly disobey a principle, you know, form a rogue radio station and interrupt school for the day. Like all of that is so over the top yet their punishment seems minimal. Yeah. It's really funny that you mentioned specifically white privilege because I, (laughs) I made a little note uh, and let me see if I can find it, but it said something along the lines of you never see no one talks more about the Constitution than a white guy trying to justify why he wants to break the rules. <laughs> yeah. Or why no. he gets to say something that's super yeah, offensive. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No one knows the Constitution better than a white man who's just trying to... Or, sorry, they don't really know it because as proven with Sean uh, and Corey a little bit, they don't really know what the First Amendment's about, but they know that the First Amendment says something along the lines that they they have the freedom to do what they want to do, and they just keep spouting that. Well, I mean, Sean even says to, like that Feeney, uh, he, he went against the First Commandment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he doesn't know the difference between the Bill of Rights and Commandments. <laughs> Exactly. And you know what's really sad? I guarantee you a lot of other people don't either. If you did like one of those BuzzFeed quizzes on like, is this a Ten Commandment or the Bill of Rights? I (laughs) guarantee you a lot of Americans would not be, (laughs) you would not be happy with it. Sean, he says one thing and does another. He's being a hypochondriac. (laughs) Yeah, that was stupid, but so funny. That's okay. all this episode is, is dumb jokes like that, and I love exactly. it. Exactly. Well, so, all right, so I do want to talk about, like, so we open up with, um... Is there sorry, a... I'm sorry. Precious. I want to say, we got to do a roll call. I was about to go into yeah, Let's yeah. do a roll call. Roll call. Okay, so, roll call. First of all, we do get Alvin Meese a little bit. Um, he's I back. have an issue with Alvin. Tell me, tell me what you feel about Alvin. So, the last time we saw Alvin, he was running for class president against Corey and Sean um, for eighth grade class president, which we learned was next year. However, um, at the midpoint, at the end of the second act of this episode, they go up to Alvin and they're like, hey, you set up the radio center, right? And they're like, yeah. He's like, Corey says, all right, well, let's go see how a junior does it. I'm sorry, I thought Alvin was in the seventh grade because he was running for class president next year. How is he a junior now? No, 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 no. He said, let's see how junior's doing. Meaning, like, let's... Because he said, it's kind of like my baby. And he was like, all right, so let's see how junior's doing. Uh, I see. Okay. I, <laughs> I misinterpreted that. Because for a second, I was like, there's no way they're making him a junior now. Like, that, they can't do that. Um, all right. No, so no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. But I mean, like, that makes sense. And I, uh, I like that you brought that out. Uh, so what I was going to say is we have Alvin Meese. And then the next in line, we have 
for new, we have Sarah Farber. It's like Farber, Farber, something like that. Um, of course, usually, as usual, the new people that we get are girls who aren't really fleshed out. Because we have Sarah Farber and we have Jasmine Fontana. And that's Jasmine the end of our Jasmine Fontana. Role. If that's not her name, that it, then it should be. Which I don't understand what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means either. I think it just means that, like, because her name kind of sounds like Fon, like Fine, you know, like 90s Monica, like Foyne. Okay. <laughs> that's that's how I interpreted it, anyways. <laughs> okay, cool. So I, I do want to say one thing about the ginger chick. What's what was her that, name? Her name is um that would be Sarah. Sarah Farmer. Okay, so Sarah, I believe, is the girl that I mixed up for the ginger in the last episode that we found out was uh from Alex Mack from the dance ah. episode. Okay, okay, I confuse okay. them because I do believe that this ginger is the one um, that is in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. And that's how I know her. Ah. I don't okay. know why Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show played such evidently that a big part so, in my like, childhood. Here's the thing. This is you, so I never, if you notice, I never question you. I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's a very TC reference, and I'm not going <laughs> to... Her name is, uh, the actress's name is Hilary Tuck, by the way. Um, uh-huh. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, she's been in Grey's Anatomy and Plain Sight. Um, I do love yeah. a good Grey's Anatomy. I mean, but like Grey's Anatomy now is like uh, Law and Order SVU. It's like you were on an episode if you were acting at some point in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And also these shows I don't feel like are ever going to go away. Oh, no, absolutely not. I don't understand, and I'm not, I'm, like, I'm really, this is, like, of course so random, but, like, I just don't understand how we have so many medical shows. Like, why are or we so always... Or cop shows. They're, like, Yeah, they it just all... doesn't make sense. At least SVU has a thing, like, all right, I know that when I'm watching SVU, I'm going to see rape, I'm going to see kids, I'm going to see all <laughs> the nitty-gritty. Like, honestly, like, they make the best episodes, because it's always the most extreme stuff. I found semen in this victim's <laughs> ear canal. Like, that's crazy shit. Like, that's what I want to see. But So, first of all, nice John Mulaney reference. Yeah, of course. Um... <laughs> and but, like, CSI say, and uh, all of those things, like, I don't see what's different between them, truthfully. That's, I mean, like, I, just, I don't either. So there's that. And then also I was going to say that um, I got in, I've gotten into a lot of Food Network shows. And, like, as much as Ooh. I'm, like, I don't understand what the difference is between all these cop shows. Food Network shows, they can have, like, My Best Guacamole. And, like, each contestant comes and makes their own version of guacamole. And I will watch that for hours. <laughs> Did you say that you were on an episode of Chopped? I, I was that? never on an episode of No, I've never been on an episode of Chopped. I said what I said was I was watching an episode of Chopped. Oh, okay. And this woman <laughs> This woman was literally like she lost and she was like really upset. She had already talked about like how big of a deal it was for her to be there. Uh, and she got eliminated. She's like, Yeah, I'm sad and everything, but you know what I'm not gonna do? I'm not just gonna cry about it and like stay in this place. And I was like, Okay, first of all, I've cried over way worse. I mean, way less. <laughs> you had like a lifelong dream destroyed, and you're like, Just fine, I'm gonna move on. I was like, That's not me at all. And that was the whole purpose of that. It's so interesting, the chopped concept, because it's essentially just a game show. Like, it's no different than Jeopardy, except you just have to make something. And it seems like the stakes are so much higher. Um, yeah. 
Like these people, their whole lives depend on how well they do on Chopped. Oh, almost all the time. They're just like, my father uh, is dying of cancer and we have to pay the bills. So this money is really going to help me pay, <laughs> pay to keep yeah, my it's father like, on life either support. I win or you just <laughs> killed my dad, Food Network. And at the exact same time, Food Network's just like, you oversalted your tomatoes. And so for that, you got to go. And you're just like, oh. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I hope you like that salt because it just cost your dad his life. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the episode. This is so crazy. <laughs> uh, so, anything else about like Jasmine Fontana or anything? Because I like um, again, I, Jasmine I Fontana. Just... I just want to say I looked at her IMDb. One of her biggest film cre- or uh, television credits, it seems, is for the unsolved, the murders of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. <gasps> She's in that? What does she do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but she has a she's in a few episodes of it, so Oh, I'm interested. I'm yeah, definitely I've, interested. Let's let's see what she's I, up to. I think Jasmine uh, Fontana killed Tupac. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. So um, she must she must so have been friends with Diddy. My only thing is, as always, we just get we don't really get any fleshed out characters. And I mean, like, this episode was, like, really short, so it didn't have to be. But, like, if I had a complaint, it would be that. Well, also, too, that all the female characters are there for the sake of boys. Yeah, and that, exactly. was a, that was a note that I took, too. Like, that, that there's a scene where um, they realize that, like, oh, we're going to turn this into a dating show. And then right. all these girls show up at the radio station, and they're like... Can we be on the radio too and talk to boys? And I'm like, is this how realistic is this? How much of this is just the male like imagining of like, oh uh, yeah, well, the girl. considering the fact that Corey goes, hey, so a lot of these guys are like asking me how you uh, kiss, and I don't think I can tell them without uh, you giving me a little example or something like that. And her responding with, I guess I can help you out. I was like, okay, yeah, she was we are that deep, so ridiculous. <laughs> No way in real life would that ever happen. <laughs> My other so, note about that quote in particular is that that didn't seem like Corey at all, by the way. That seems like a Sean thing to say. Yeah, but Corey's around Sean, and we've talked about this. Corey, when Corey feels secure, or like when he feels it, he can be kind of a Mac daddy. Corey, Corey can do it. But that's what I mean. Like, I guess... <laughs> I guess I just don't see why Sean's so much cooler than Corey. I think it's just because Con, sorry, Con, Sean <laughs> accepts where he is. Like Sean understands that he is good looking and he has the magic hair and girls like just throw themselves at him and this is like his thing. Corey's always questioning everything about himself. So yeah, and he always thing. also also I believe that remember. Sean and Eric have the hair. Um, Corey, it's a hair thing. It's the hair thing. So I think I really do think it's like the hair keeps Corey from believing that he's as equal or as worthy as Sean. Sure, sure. Okay, so uh, going back to the radio show, I did want to talk a little bit. Because... Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Can I just? I just do want to mention that there was one person left off of the roll call. Who? Who? Uh, Mr. Robin Leach. He, uh, yeah, Robin Leach, you, I told you, I always do terrible if they're, like, not a student, but keep going. Oh, yeah, no, I just, I thought it was really funny, because I realized how dated the show was when Robin Leach showed up, because I was like, <laughs> no one 
and like younger millennials will even understand this reference whatsoever. I know, and that kind of made me sad. I was like, Robin Leach is such a like a '90s staple, and it makes so much sense that he would be there. Um, and then I was like, kind of like, why is it Robin Leach and not Ed, Mc, Ed McMahon? But either way, it's just like those were so dated references. So. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about Robin Leach when he appeared, and it's just a quick note, we don't spend too much time on it, but he says that um, at the end of the episode, he shows up with this big check because of Eric's stupid magazine scheme, and yeah. he's like, oh, I'm, we're here for Dorothy, the, the neighbor who lives next yeah, door. Yeah, the neighbor, yeah. This is, so we're, we... This is the episode where we learn the Matthews' other neighbor. So the Feeney's on one side, and on the other side is this Dorothy person who we've never heard from, and apparently we, she takes this money and runs because we never hear from her yeah. again. <laughs> um, but I just thought that was interesting that we learned the name of uh, another neighbor. Uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, but also at the exact same time, I always wondered, like, what do they do? Uh, like, because those, those shows would always, like, just show up at someone's door, and you can't do that like how do you know people's gonna be home maybe there's like like behind the scene things where it's like it all always seemed like they showed up randomly but now that i live in la i know they probably showed up two days before and like hey you won we're gonna come here act surprise or they like (laughs) yeah they show up and then they're like hey we're gonna do a run through and now we're gonna do it again for 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 the show Um, yeah exactly but you know what? I just don't think you could do that nowadays. Cause well, no I, one's going to be home. <laughs> well, no one's going to be home. But also, I don't know about you, but in the same way of like, I just don't have random people knocking on my door. And so I'm not used to strangers dropping by. So unless people tell me they're coming over, I'm probably not wearing pants. Like, that's just... <laughs> it's, no, I'm Absolutely. Probably, I'm definitely not wearing pants most of the time that I'm home. So uh, you're really right. And then also, I just think that now, just people just don't answer the door if they don't expect people. You know, it's just like, who are you? Like, if it's important, you'll leave. Or if you're a friend of mine, you'll call. <laughs> it's like people who answer the phone for numbers they don't recognize. I'm like, what? Fuck? What? So in like, what world? I will say I do that, but the only, the absolute only reason that I answer an unknown number is because my mother always loses her phone and will call me from a stranger's phone. <laughs> so that is the only reason why I answer random phone numbers. Oh, I never. I figure that like if it's a random number, they'll leave a message if it's important. If it's not, it's probably a, a robot call anyway. <laughs> um, so you let's talk about the radio show. And the reason why I want to talk about the radio show yeah, is sure. because Feeney, like it opens up with Feeney kind of like taking control over this. And I'm like, dude, you are the principal of a school and you're a teacher. Get off the radio. You have How does he to have do. time to yeah. even mess with this? Because it seems like he's like, oh, I'm here with my groovy co-host so yeah Feeney's doing this every morning is that's this just morning announcements because that's what i was like what's the difference between this and morning announcements well just in general it seemed like he was yeah and for some reason i feel like a few years later it becomes the tv announcements you know it's like when everyone's doing yeah the, like the tv version of this because the idea that they have a radio show is just like who's doing this <laughs> like who's well, like, listening to this throughout the day and you know what's funny? I know our high school didn't have this, but I do know of other schools where, like, in between classes, they'll, like, play a song. A, a pop song or a radio what? song or whatever. 
over the speakers while kids are going through their classes. I've never heard about this. Yeah, yeah, a few, because obviously, you know, I know a few teachers, and, like, they've worked in schools where they've had that, and even, like, my friends who have kids say that, like, oh, my kids say that they hear this song every day between their third and fourth period of class or whatever. Um, I have never heard of this in my entire life. That so, yeah, so that's because before I, like, I got introduced to that concept through this show thinking, oh, this is fantasy. And so when people told me, oh, no, this is actually something that happens, I was blown away. Because what a distraction. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I wonder if it Always has... Always are like loud any... enough. Yeah, well, I wonder if it has, like, any... Like, if there's any reason for it. Like, do students tend to go to their locker sooner and, like, not loiter as much if there's music in between? I don't know, because, like, that's what maybe we Maybe it's a morale thing, but I do... I Maybe it's just to make sure they get to their other class on time. Because think about it. If you have two minutes between classes and the song's ending, you know how long you have yeah. until you need to If Selena Gomez is ending her... Uh, yeah, know, her if you've heard range. the bridge <laughs> of the Selena Gomez song, you've, you're too far. You yeah. need to get <laughs> That's my whole point. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, and then, okay. So, but yeah, I just thought that was weird. That feeding. And then also, I was like, what's with this programming? So we have like a German hour as well. Oh, of my course, Feeny would do What's this. his name? Ludwig? Ludwig. You know what? To be fair, we did not give Ludwig his, uh, we his did not. and roll call. <laughs> but Ludwig is fantastic. And one of the great things I know about Ludwig, and I don't know how I found out about this, but Ludwig was a character that uh, Ryder, Strong char- Ryder Strong and Ben Savage thought was hilarious and they what? couldn't stop laughing at this kid's accent they just thought it was so damn funny and i don't know if that is so called. american oh, yeah, like, yeah, right? the accent's so funny it's like i'm speaking german uh and, and english by the way which means i'm multilingual and you're basic <laughs> yeah but i guess something about his line delivery and i don't know if i saw this on the tv commentary <laughs> or whatever but um yeah, I just I re- always remember that when I watch this episode that they couldn't keep a straight face whenever he was around. Uh, that's so funny. All right, that's good to know. I like it. Um, but yeah, I, the, this radio show that Feeney's doing is—I uh, don't understand it's why he's investing time. It's the worst. No one's into it. No, and then it makes again, you wonder why they resurrected this radio program to begin exactly. With. Again, it seems to be fair. It seems like a like a passion project of Feeney's, just like the with the enthusiasm that he has. Yeah, and maybe this is just like like he grew up only with radio. <laughs> so, of course, like, it, was, to be fair, it radio is Feeney. a big deal Ooh, for him. Remember last year? Yeah, where he wanted season? to stay up and yes! listen to the radio because so the president would make sense. the war. Actually, I love that you just said that. Like, so Feeney does have, like, a passion. And that's probably why he gets so offended when it's misused. 100%. To him, because... Oh, wow. We just made this deeper. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was the episode where Alan keeps Corey up late to watch the baseball game. And he's talking about how his dad didn't let him stay up to hear Truman or whatever. Um, But we're to interpret from that that... Feeney didn't grow up with the TV. He grew up with radio. And obviously exactly. radio played a big part in his life because that's a, the, pretty much the only backstory we've heard about him and his father. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, like you said, based on his enthusiasm, that this is something he, he's fucking hard as hell about. Yeah, that's actually, oh, well, I mean, Feeney's still being an old man in all his like programming. And I do love, I will say there's like a little bit of shade thrown because when he does try to connect with the youth, he's like, and here's Menudo. And you're like, 
and everyone just kind of rolls their eyes. I was like, don't they hate on Menudo? <laughs> well, also, Menudo seems like a strange choice compared to everything. Yes. Like, hey, this playlist is going to have Perry Como and Menudo? What the <laughs> hell? He's all over the place. Now, what I will say is, talking about the boys' version of the show, I think that it is crazy. Uh, like, they just show... I feel like Sean is just unappreciated okay. right now. Because Sean latches on so quickly. And Sean understands what they have here. And I kind of really like that. I like that when Sean sees an opportunity, he's like just such a entrepreneur or has like that well, mindset. Let's not give him too much credit because if we rewind just a bit, Corey <laughs> had to tell Sean like, cause Sean yeah. didn't want to do anything. <laughs> and Corey's like, I mean, maybe if we became radio personalities, then we'd have personalities. I don't want to do nothing. Look, radio is just sitting around talking. Like we are now? Yeah, maybe you have to push a button. How hard? Like this. Are you kidding me? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really funny because I love they show Turner's face in that uh clip. And it's hilarious. Just that uh you get to see Turner kind of being on our side of things, like watching yeah. these two interact. <laughs> He's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> oh, man. I actually thought Turner was really great in this episode. Like, this is the kind of Jonathan Turner I wish we could see more. I don't really give a shit about him with female co-workers. His stuff with Feeney is just kind of okay. But when he's connecting with the boys in the way that Feeney cannot connect with the boys, that's yes. where he really shines. Yeah, and, and I I'm, thought, I'm with you. I yeah, really, I just, really like, um, I really like this version of Turner. Although, I will say, I do not know what's up with these ties. I kind of really want to find who's ever responsible for his wardrobe and, like, charging them with something. Because it's a I, <laughs> I, I mean, don't get me wrong. These ties are miserable. But I do <laughs> wonder if this is just, like, a fuck, like, it's of the time. Like, maybe these are just the ties that cool people were wearing on their uh, motorcycles um, in the 1990s. I watched a lot of Seinfeld uh, which is set in this time. I watched a lot of Friends, and you know who's never wearing ties and prints like this? Chandler. David Swanner. Or... Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, Chandler wore nothing but sweater vests. But still, point being is... But yeah, Ross, Ross would know... wear just plain ties. Yeah, exactly. Like, they had the same thing with, um, as I said, Jerry Seinfeld. They're, they're not wearing these... If you want to even go tend the tool man Taylor, he's wearing... He'll wear, like, the plaid that Jonathan wears, but he won't match it with, like, this crazy ridiculous tie so i'm just really upset all right i'm gonna pull a 90s reference out from the back of my head just because i feel that it might play a part in this so in the 1995 96 movie uh first kid with simbad yes uh, yes simbad which by the wears... way <laughs> simbad wears uh he he plays the a bodyguard to the president's son in the movie and they are consistently trying to get him to wear more official ties. And he's like, no, I have style. I have personality. I don't want to just wear a standard tie. I think that Jonathan Turner is that. He's like, I'm young. I'm hip. 
I don't want to be conformist. And, and I don't think it's a, a Woodstock hippie thing the way that Feeney made it seem. By the way, want to circle back to Woodstock. Oh, and we're Feeney. coming back to that joke. But keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, I feel like this is Turner's personality. Like, I'm not a, your regular teacher. And I think that even his stupid ties are just a personification of that. Okay, you know what? I will allow that. And you brought up... Um... You brought up Sinbad, which you and I have been meaning to talk about for weeks. Love I have our Sinbad. notes that we have to talk about Sinbad. So we need to give Sinbad his due. I don't want to like squeeze him in between this. But at the exact same time, let's talk about Mr. Feeney and Ruthie Turner. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we just learned a lot. It's so funny because Feeney was like, Oh, you know, you and your hippie Woodstock stuff. But then Feeney was apparently at actual Woodstock. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> also, how old was Feeney when Woodstock happened? Because I have no he idea. said that he heard Truman announce the end of the war. Like, <laughs> how old is he? It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good question. I don't know. We should do the math and, like, or someone out there do the math and see. How old was Feeney when Woodstock happened? Either way, I love, I want, like, I want a pre-series set in Feeney's young life where we see young George Feeney, who is, like, this proper kid, um, just go out and meet the rest of the world in the 60s and 70s, which was, like, all crazy uh, sex and drugs and war, and see this Mr. Sorry, this George Feeney grow up and become this uh, reserved man who has like a really worldly understanding of how you things are. Feeney begins. I do. <laughs> I want it so much right now. And then we get that once we get that Woodstock episode, man, we gonna have some fun because I still I see the. But. I was just going to say, I just did the math, and there's only about a 25-year difference. So maybe he was, like, five or six or something when he was a boy, and he was, like, maybe around 30 or so for Woodstock, which isn't so unbelievable. No, and uh, that's what I was going to say. I can see, like, a George Treaty not even, like, purposely going to Woodstock. Like, he was on his way somewhere, and, like, he got, like, a ride, and he ended up at Woodstock. He was, like, completely um not into it he's just like so judgmental but at the exact same time he runs into this girl called ruthie turner and she's just like trying to get him to enjoy himself and some stuff goes down you know what's funny <laughs> is that i i kind of disagree with that i feel like when feeney was married his, ah. his former wife was a free spirit i get that vibe I get that by a lot of times throughout the series that when you when you when he goes there's one episode particular in particular coming up I think maybe next season um, at a lodge that at a snow cabin that Feeney had up in the mountains where they find yeah, an old diary. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, um, but there's something about Feeney that makes me think that the reason he's so conservative has to do more with just him not having any like of that joy in his life that he used to have with what I imagine to be a very free spirited wife. Ah, still, you know, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we've come up with several uh, ways to have prequels to this series, yeah. and I want them all, I really do, uh, so maybe one day I'll write one, and... <laughs> 
Yeah, just like why, we've had right a now. sequel. We've had Girl Meets World. We've had Boy Meets World. Like we need Man Meets World, I guess. Exactly. Would be. Feeny Meets World. <laughs> Feeny Meets World. Yeah, because honestly, I feel like Feeny would have more this prequel idea that we're for sure going to send to ABC. Uh, we exactly. have like a Wonder Years type of quality to it. Yes. <laughs> and we already oh, love wow. Mr. Feeney. We would all, again, we'd learn his lessons that he learns that he eventually tells the boys. It's all right there. Why aren't we not doing this? I want it now. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, guys. Uh, well, this is being recorded. They, people can't steal this. We're, we're going to roll with this. We're going to have to figure <laughs> out this elevator pitch and make this happen. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So, um, going back to the episode, uh, like I said, I love Sean's energy when he, like, sees what's going on. Because, you know, he basically understands that this dude called in to try to get with Sarah, and he's like, dude, are you going to drop? You know, it's like, just the whole energy that Sean has, and even Turner mentions it uh, a little later. He's like, they don't get involved or into much, and they were really into this. I... I, I 100% agree with you. 100%. It's interesting, though, that, like, whatever Sean seems to get excited about is things that someone else has to shut down very quickly. And I wonder if it's because Sean hasn't found his own avenue yet, or is it that it's because it's off-limits that it gets Sean excited? Well, I don't think it's that. I think it's, if, if we're being honest, I think it's one of those things where it's like, uh, Sean understands his and like he understands his peers and he understands um kind of like this counterculture thing but most of this show is about how you have to not conform but like understanding how the world itself is right now you know the structures that we have in the world in the world as they are and i think that that's all where sean always comes into conflict because Sean is kind of this free spirit who understands what his peers want and it's always outside of like what adults find they should be doing does that make sense yeah totally yeah so I think it's way more about that than it is about you know Sean getting off on it being forbidden I don't think the forbidden thing has anything to do with it I think it's just Sean uh, understands. well I don't know I think I mean, like, things well, are know, the fit the forbidden thing has a little to do with it, but it's just not the primary thing, is what I'm saying. Teach, you're the one who told me when we started this conversation that white <laughs> men consistently want what they can't have. Uh, also very true. Also very true. So, <laughs> I mean... I, 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 I think it's a little <laughs> bit of both. I think you're right. I think that Sean seems to find his avenues, and it's just unfortunate that it happens to collide with what society wants for him, but I think he kind of gets off on that a little bit. Exactly. Well, I mean, but like, also, like, like, I mean, think about it. Mr. Turner even kind of points out that the boys just, like, he's like, they, of course, they didn't have adult supervision. So, like, what they did, of course, wasn't ideal, but I don't think they should have everything taken away from them. Um, and what's the proper guidance? Yeah, it didn't seem like they had any rundown. It seems like they just, like, showed up and were like, all right, we're doing this. They told us we can only talk about the bake sale, but they didn't seem to give them any other parameters as far as... Well, exactly. I don't know. They, they Maybe didn't. they just needed Again, to be an adult they weren't, told, they weren't told what they... Yeah, they just needed to be an adult there, I think is what it is. And I think that's what it, Turner realized. He was like, uh, you know what? Turns out, if someone, had, if an adult had been in the room, maybe this wouldn't have even been a problem. 
Yeah, because I mean they do they do a good job of pointing out that they aren't supposed to talk about anything but this dumbass bake sale. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Um, kind of moving on. Let's talk about so a couple of things. One, uh, it is funny to see them have to fight for like their right to speak up and all this other stuff, uh, and the conflict with the radio show. When I realized that we're doing our own podcast, and I was like, yeah, now they could just do a podcast. They could just yeah, they could set up their own podcast or their own YouTube series, and it would be just as much of a hit. And the school wouldn't be able to say anything. And... Can you imagine if we were in high school and had a podcast? asked about all the drama that was happening in high school and like actually uh, yes, like i can't oh, imagine because that's a, that's a movie <laughs> and by the way that's literally the plot of gossip girl so is it okay i don't it's i don't literally I don't watch it, so. uh you should gossip girl is amazing so just putting okay. that out there so uh okay <laughs> oh also for me i think like even listen to it i was like they didn't really do much uh that was wrong i think where the boys really messed up was when they said like the bathing suit thing i was like okay that is overboard and that's the part where feeny came in on you know what i mean like trying to hook people up it's like it's not that terrible but i don't think it would have been as bad if they weren't like she likes to go fishing in like nothing but a bikini and then feeny's like yeah this is basically smut so um i had a quick note here about just like for whatever reason i don't know how much the budget was on this show but obviously they're not spending a nickel of it on copyrighted music because whenever there's like <laughs> music that needs to be played it's such <laughs> generic rock yeah. and roll or generic like video game elevator pop music or whatever like it's just it's so awful like not not i mean from a person i don't want to knock yeah, the music for the show yeah. but i'm just saying like they can't spend a nickel on a damn whatever pop song that's on the radio. It just seems like, to me, there's so much pop music in television nowadays that it's almost inescapable. Like, I'm gonna hear some shitty pop song on the Grey's Anatomy episode or whatever. Correct. Whereas then, it, it just seemed like it wasn't even a consideration. Well, so the, I just music thought that was the music industry uh, was completely different, and now they need to, like, in order, because no one listens to the radio anymore, ironically. So because no one listens to the radio, yeah. Yeah, they you're right. put all the music into these shows that everyone's watching, because that's how you discover new music. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, that totally makes sense. All right, no, never mind, you just answered my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about... Um, this bill of rights thing and who decides who has good taste. Well, that, and that, I wrote that as a note too, just about their messaging regarding freedom of speech. Um, I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's freedom of speech with responsibility is the theme of the yes. show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. the theme of this episode is supposed to be. And that's one thing that like, again, Boy Meets World does really well. They bring up a really good subject, but they don't really go into it the way that they should if you want people to walk away with the understanding that you assume they want. Uh, which is to say that in this episode, they bring up the fact that the boys are always talking about the First Amendment and their freedom to say whatever they want. And, you know, Turner's like, no, you don't just get to say whatever you want. First of all, this is school property. Second of all, there are people to answer to. And third of all, you know, it's just like a th there's responsibility that comes with this platform. And maybe I think you're that's not a good using lesson, it correctly. Though. I mean, I think that's a good, a good lesson, lesson for, for children to learn that 
freedom like because i would imagine as a 13 year old like freedom of speech to me means i can just say whatever i want i can call anyone any name i want like it's it, learning that there is responsibility and consequences i feel is a good lesson that kids should learn no, and no, i think they is. do a good job of at least portraying that yeah see and i disagree i disagree with the fact that i think they do a good job i think that the lesson itself is there but the lesson itself is there for adults who knows what they're trying to say if you're a kid that's not it's not blatant it's definitely it's like it's convoluted there's there's no real connection to the fact that the boys uh, it's it's way more of the boys violated Turner's agreement than it is the boys understanding that there are consequences to uh, having freedom of speech. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that bothered me. It's like you you brought it up, but you don't really tell that. It's not in the text because I'm an adult. I see where you were going with it, but it's not really there. So I wonder how much of this is just also the the issue of time constraint of like it's 22 minutes or whatever the episode is like I I'm sure that I don't know maybe I'm giving them a little too much credit (laughs) but maybe it is this issue of of them no you know what I take it back immediately because they waste so much of the episode on the stupid Eric storyline that has nothing to do with anything. Why have a B story if it doesn't support the other stories? Just get rid of exactly. it. We can have just a, a solo story episode. In fact, those tend to be the better Boy Meets World episodes when the show doesn't get so unfocused and all over the place. I'm glad I'm glad that you uh, you made that 360 because what I was going to say is we see them do it. We see them do it all the time. Um, not all the time, but like when they do it, we always notice it and we always applaud those episodes because yep. those episodes where they don't waste a single second and everything is just, you're like, wow, this was like really tight and it got me exactly what I wanted to get. And the lesson's really clear and all everything, everyone's use of time is purposeful. That is great. Uh, and this was not one of those episodes and it could have been in my opinion. You know what? I will say probably the biggest takeaway and the most lasting thing of this show is unfortunately Eric's B storyline. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that has any continuality outside of this episode is him being Correct. dumb. There's we never see this radio show again. We nope. you know I don't even know if we hear from this German kid or even Alvin again. Like Ludwig. Ludwig, like we never hear from Ludwig again. Um, so yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that the most impactful thing about this episode just happened to be the weakest part of it. Yeah, I mean, well, I will say that, and you're right. I think that the tail end when they're talking to the boys are when Turner has like unknowingly put the boys on air, and they're talking about the fact that they feel the need, that they feel lost, and they feel the need to find themselves, and all this other stuff. And, you know, the whole school responds to it. That's a good lesson. And that's something that they do really well. But again, that's different from the First Amendment conversation. So you get this two very disjointed things, which is that, A, you don't need to have, you don't need to like sell sex in order to get an audience is one thing. But at the, another conversation is First Amendment rights and the power that comes with a platform. Yeah, I, I can see why, the, the, like the, the focus on both of those was a little too much. Um, I, all right. So we, we talked about this kind of learning point of the show where 
Jonathan is talking to the boys at the radio station. He's like, why do you guys feel the need to do this? And they're like, because we want to be special. And Jonathan turns on the radio without the boys knowing. Yeah. So we learned about freedom of speech, but we really didn't learn about <laughs> privacy. Yeah. Again, again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like a, there are just moments where this isn't, they're not well, Turner, telling, teaching the lessons that they need to be. Turner's a hypochondriac because he's talking <laughs> about how important free speech is, but he also is not respecting these boys' privacy at all, has a super um, deep uh, revealing conversation with these boys talking about their insecurities and he's broadcasting it to the entire school without their knowledge and they kind of gloss over it like he, yeah. someone's like the whole school heard this and he, Turner's like it doesn't matter people like it but yeah. no it kind of does matter that could have been a very scarring thing like the, he had no idea what Corey and Sean I wanted agree. to say I completely agree with that and I that mean, could have been yeah. just as dangerous yeah, no, no, and I agree with that. I was like, that could have been anything. They could have used uh, foul language. They could have said, you know, they could have confessed uh, something really, really personal. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you on that because it is kind of messed up, and it is. Oh, it was a very risky move. Of course, because it's television, we're supposed to forgive it and just kind of move forward. But yeah, it's definitely a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, do you have anything else you want to say about this episode? Yeah, I, I do have uh, one thing. Um, one, there's a moment that I find really hilarious, um, and it's when Feeney actually finds the boys from their pirate radio station. Oh, okay. And Sean <laughs> has this great line where he's like, Don't move. Maybe he doesn't see us. And since yeah. I was a kid, I remember cracking up anytime I saw this episode when Sean said that. I just thought it was such a dumb, funny thing to say. Um, but here's something else about this whole chase scene where Feeney's looking for them. Do the boys have a camera? Yes, yes, because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> because at one point, they're like, oh, we might be in the bathroom, and then Feeney goes to look in the bathroom, and the moment he looks in the bathroom, they're like, psych, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, Wait, are you watching him? How do you know this? It's supposed to be one of those things where it's just like, it's all-knowing, uh, but not really. They're just speaking. But it is, for me, the thing that's funny about that scene, because I did have the same thought, but the thing that's funny about that scene is when uh, Sean accidentally reveals where they are. Sean, where's the team? Go. Behind the buckets, janitor's mom's. Because we couldn't possibly be that stupid. Oh, I think you're much more stupid than you give yourselves credit for. Yeah, it's it, it, Sean is. It's so funny because I'm not really. They're still in this weird part of the show where Sean and Eric are both dumb, and I think yeah. that's something we'll see for like the next season or so. And then Sean starts to get, once Angela gets in the picture, he starts to get so brooding. And so, like, yeah. his stuff with his parents starts to go down, and he just turns into a completely different, more Well, to character. be fair, um, when your life starts to spiral the way his does, yeah, you start getting a little bit broody and a little less. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a fair point. Um, but, yeah, it's just an exchange of attributes between Sean and Eric. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in the beginning phases of it. I completely agree. Okay. Um, but yeah, nothing else. Anything else? Anything else? 
No, just a funny episode. Okay, so um, Feeny taught me. What do you got? Feeny taught me. I think is this lesson that Turner tries to teach them that he broadcasts to the entire school without their <laughs> consent. Um, which is that, you know, just being genuine is the greatest way to make a human connection. And I do think that that's something that we're seeing in politics. We're seeing it with our entertainers. We're seeing it, um, I think, across the board is that people want a more authentic experience with people, not so much something that's flashy or something that's a good story. They'd rather have something that's just true. Um, and I think there's a lot of um, truth in that. Lessons. Yeah, no, I think I think um, just to kind of give it, we this is one of those things where Mr. Turner and Mr. Feeney actually have like this really good moment because he's like, I really like the way you handled uh, the students, and you know, I just thought that it it is a really good lesson for them to hear. Uh, just all the students that it's like, because Sean goes, I think it's Sean or Corey, it's just like, yeah, but nobody wants to talk about that. And he's like, well, contrary, I mean, like, look at the phones. Everyone kind of feels that way. And yeah. we're, we're, we're starting to relearn that lesson of people just really want someone to be real with them. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with people who voted for number 45 who were like, but he was just so authentic. And it's just like, okay. But I mean, that's what they were looking for. And so that is something to just take into account. Oh, man, I... Yeah, I, know. I know, I know, I know. We're not going down that road. I would just let it go. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so that being said, uh, what grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode a B. I, I think it's an enjoyable episode. I don't think it's particularly uh, important in the show for any of the characters other than Eric that we mentioned. Um, but I, I... You know what? B+. plus. A B plus. It's a funny episode. I do think that the lesson is a lesson that's actually worth teaching. Whereas, whereas a lot of the episodes we've taught, we've gone over recently, have been like, "What? What lesson are they trying to give out? That doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be something yeah. that's taught to kids." Um, so yeah, B plus. All right. So I'm gonna give it a full letter grade lower than you, uh, which is a C plus. Not, and it's literally just because of everything we talked about. I feel like the lessons are all over the place. I feel like it's funny but we have a lot of stuff with eric that's unnecessary um and i just don't think like everyone's used the way that they could be also we get no topanga we don't really get like a turned on by turner moment so oh, you didn't like, get turned yeah. on by turner this episode i didn't get i mean uh, well so i guess now we're doing it because <laughs> like no i mean I was, it's it's don't force it no, if it didn't happen, i don't know we'll you're just, right it's not the force it. i'm just saying for turner no honestly it was just i will say that he wore those blue jeans nicely but i hated everything else with it so it didn't turn me on just saying okay um so that is it homework what do you got okay um so obviously i I want everyone to watch halloween but i i don't know i want to make that my for sure homework so maybe we could talk about that next week after you see it um so i'm gonna make my homework for this week a movie called uh behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon it's on amazon prime this is another horror movie i know i recommended one last week as well but um this is such an amazing deconstruction of the horror genre and i haven't seen one do it this well since maybe scream because it truly, what it is, is just like, 
it's a it's one of the like an office um parks and rec like documentary style maybe more blair witch i guess would be the vibe they're going for um of a serial killer preparing for um a, a kill. <laughs> So it's it's if you can imagine Jason Voorhees like beforehand being like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna do a little bit of cardio to get warmed up because this is how I get ready to to do things, and uh, they're gonna go into the shed. I'm gonna try to sabotage some of these weapons so when they come after me, I'm prepared. Like it's just so creative and interesting, and I just was really blown away by the lead actor's performance. And if it just really, if you like Scream and you like the deconstruction of the horror genre, like this is a great movie. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Rise of Leslie Vernon, Behind the Mask. I think it's 2006 is the year. Um, but yeah, really great. Robert England's in it as well. So if you'd okay, like cool. uh, for some good old Freddy vibes, he plays the Dr. Loomis character, the the one who's trying to catch the serial killer. Um, but yeah, it's a great movie. So if you're, if you're interested, check it out. Okay, wow. Um, that's really great. So the thing that I'm going to recommend this week is... Um, this YouTube series called After Hours by Kraft. Um, it's, it's just always good. They talk about a lot of pop culture the way we do, and they just kind of analyze things. They're the ones who told me about that whole horror reflecting the common fears of the time and the oh, yeah, yeah. Um, vampires and the zombie things. So uh, it's a series that they don't do anymore, unfortunately, but there are plenty of episodes um, from there. So again, that's Kraft after hours uh it's really really good it's one of my favorite ones and i just thought it would be fun and then my other homework is as always register make sure you're registered to vote and that you are prepared to vote because yeah we need to do all of those things <laughs> yeah we're getting close guys we're getting real yeah, close it's it's a uh, yeah okay and it's so it could go either way guys don't let anyone fool you it can go either it's... way and that is like, I think that's one of the most depressing truths. Because <laughs> it's just like, even with everything that's happened, it can always still go either way. So, <laughs> just get out there, guys. So, thank you for listening to More of This World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all the places. Be sure you leave us a rating or that you reply to us. We love when you give us feedback on social media. Uh, and do that at Meets World or email us at BrumMeetsWorld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, Tonafi. You can find me at a Braver Me on Instagram. You can also find me at the Pumpkin Patch waiting for that great pumpkin, yo. Oh, yes. He's coming. coming. Actually, uh, I didn't do it this year because this year I did the screen banner. But I usually do the great pumpkin Charlie Brown banner on my Facebook page because I just love that. Like, I just love the little boy believing in the great pumpkin. Can we also have a horror movie version of the great pumpkin? Like, can we have this? Yes, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, I don't know what's going on. You and I are like, we should be in pitch meetings. Our creative energy is sprouting out all kinds of juices, guys. I hope we're not spraying you in the face because this is intense. Uh, But you know what I do want you guys to do? I want you to remember to dream, Mm. try, Mm. and do some good. Do some Mm -hmm. good. (laughs) Later, bros. Later, bros.